0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Live in Conversation. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, further talking in about um, Governor Newsom's trip to China, more specifically China this time. I know last time we focused on both Israel and China, but this time we're going to be focusing more on China's, uh, the trip to China. But first, I just want to um, acknowledge this on the podcast. I already posted this statement onto my Twitter page. Um, So yeah, I'm just basically going to summarize it. Um, So it came to my attention on Sunday morning that uh, obviously, let me backtrack just a little bit. There are volunteers in a campaign. People can volunteer to help grow the campaign, help increase voter awareness and whatnot. Um, And I'm going to be as minimal in details as possible out of respect for um, their privacy. So, um, and also out of the seriousness of this situation. Um, so it came to my attention on Sunday morning that for about a month and a half, maybe even two months, um, one of my amazing volunteers was apparently receiving inappropriate and uncomfortable communications from another fellow volunteer. Um, and what happens when you become a volunteer is you typically, um, do go on meetings with myself and other volunteers, um, basically just to, you know, check in on progress and whatnot, um, and yes, um, that the rumors, well, not the rumors, the allegation, um, because at the time, Sunday morning, um, it couldn't really be classified as fact, um, as I did not have any evidence at the time, um, but I did acknowledge that there was evidence out there and that it would be being sent to me today, Um, And I chose not to speak on this until I had the full picture and all of the evidence necessary. Um, And then earlier today, um, I received that evidence from the volunteer that reported it to me on Sunday morning. Um, After reviewing the evidence carefully, I have made the decision to let the volunteer go who forced this inappropriate and deeply concerning and uncomfortable conversation, um, or form of conversation onto a fellow volunteer. Um, now here's one thing I will say about our campaign. Our campaign is an inclusive campaign, which means we don't care who you are or what you identify as. If you truly believe in our fundamentals, you are on board. Um, But one thing that we do not stand for as a campaign and as a movement is harassment. Um, We do not stand for any forms of harassment or intimidation. Um, We do not stand with it and we do not stand by the volunteer who chose to do so to another fellow volunteer. I can confirm that as of right now... We have notified the volunteer who did these things that he has been removed as a volunteer. Um, And yeah, but the other volunteer I can say is still currently working with our campaign, which we are delightfully grateful for. Myself, um, I am extremely grateful that they decided to stay with our campaign as a volunteer despite this situation. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to uh, get that out on the podcast. Um, I did post a full statement, which I actually typed in my notes app um, and took a screenshot of. I took that statement and put it on my Twitter page. So yeah. Um, But anyways, now that that's out of the way, we can start with what we want to talk about, which is Governor Newsom's trip to China. Now, if you don't know already, Governor Newsom went to Israel, and then soon after, he went to China. Now, we covered Israel last time. Today, I want to focus more specifically on his trip to China. Now, um, let me pull this up here, because there was actually a tweet from, I believe, Alec, L- Alex Michelson. I'm still not 100% on how to pronounce his first name, so I do apologize if I got that incorrect, um, but he is the host of... Of The issue is, which is on Fox LA. Um, So yeah, Um, he had a sit down interview with Gavin Newsom recently. um, And he asked the question to Governor Newsom, the to basically respond to critics who say he should be in California confronting homelessness instead of being in China. Now, he says, Governor Newsom says, that homelessness is his number one issue 24-7 and that he had just signed mental health reform. Now, here's the quote. Taking a few days after a legislative session when the entire legislature is on vacation or out of town to advance the cause of climate trade partnership with our state is a pretty good use of our time. Now, I'm not going to deny that he, you know, has passed legislation in the past, um, more specifically, you know, mental health reform. You know, we do need to focus on mental health reform, and I think that's fantastic and all. But when mental health uh, care is so incredibly expensive on top of all other forms of health care due to your neglect to, um, you know, try and get care past the legislative stage and into actual effect— Um, I find that as being a bit, um, contradictory, um, because, you know, mental health care is incredibly expensive. And if you're trying to relate mental health reforms toward the issue of homelessness, you know, people that are homeless do not have a ton of money or an insurance provider most of the time to cover mental health, um, care. And here's the thing. You know, I definitely agree with those critics um, that Michelson pointed out when asking uh, Governor Newsom about his response to them. I do agree with those critics, absolutely. You know, our governor is the governor of our state. He is meant to represent us and help us. Instead, he is going to Israel and then right over to China um, and not actually necessarily focusing on what voters have to say and what citizens have to say. Um, and actually taking care of these issues. Um, I like to describe it as you know, do nothing politics, where it's kind of in the name you really do nothing um whatsoever um, you know, the little bit that you do end up doing. You know, isn't even remotely close to enough to circumvent and, you know, put an end to the multiple crises that have faced the state. And while some of these and a lot of these crises are not just specifically our state and our state only, they happen in other states and other cities and other parts of the world even— we have it incredibly bad here in California where several tons and tons of people die from a lack of health care every single year. Tons and tons of people die because they don't have shelter. Tons and tons of people die because they don't have access to medical care, quality medical care, medical care at that. On top of that, dozens of people die every single year because they don't have access to food or water. Um, and a lot of these people that don't have access to these things are homeless or are uh, within the poverty level. Um, or even incredibly low income. And, you know, even with the benefits coming from the state, you know, it's really not doing enough. Um, And pair that on top of a crappy economy where people can barely afford to live anymore. You know, it costs thousands of dollars a month just to rent a tiny little studio apartment. Um, You know, it costs millions of dollars to buy a rundown shack in the outskirts of a city. Um, You know what I mean? These economic situations... Um, and circumstances are toxic. They're poisonous um, to the Californian population because if you really think about it, you know, there are many people who are leaving California in droves and, and going to other states with far less expensive costs around, across the board when it comes to, you know, groceries, when it comes to gas prices, when it comes to taxes. You know, um, a lot of these people are leaving California because gas prices are so high, because the real estate market is completely messed up, because they're, you know, there's such high taxes and such high inflation, um, and this is why so many people are leaving California is, is primarily because of the poor economic conditions of the state where, you know, people have to pay an arm and a leg just to get their tanks full on their gas, on, on their car. You know, it's absurd that we've allowed these circumstances to continue for so long. Um, you know, I, I also want to say that, you know, you know, magically being in California for like a week or two more than you would have before, you know, a lot of people might not see that as being able to accomplish a lot within that time. But the way I see it is that if you chose to run for office and you knew that there was a chance that you would win, and when you do inevitably win or eventually win, you decide to not do the job that you were elected to do, it is honestly shameful um, that you would ever do such a thing because... Why, why would you waste voters' time and votes, you know, um, promising all of these amazing things just to never follow through on them? You know, Governor Newsom's in his second term, um, second of two terms that he can have as governor. Before this, he was lieutenant governor, and before that, he was the mayor of San Francisco. Now, I want to point out that, yes, he was mayor of San Francisco. Look at San Francisco now. It is a disaster. You know, there are several crises hitting San Francisco and the entirety of the Bay Area incredibly hard. Um, You know, he was also lieutenant governor. He could have gotten a lot of things done specifically within legislation while he was lieutenant governor. He didn't. Um, And then he became governor. And now he's taking trips to China and to Israel. Um, While there are people back home in California that are dying every single day, because they don't have access to quality health care, they don't have access to shelter, food, water, basic necessities that every citizen should have access to. Um, You know, and I I find it honestly disgusting that, you know, he thinks that, you know, going to China to, you know, talk about climate um, and regulating the climate and saving the environment, I find that incredibly disgusting nonsensical because if you look at china i mean they're they're causing a lot of pollution they're causing a lot of environmental issues it's not just us you know and while we do contribute to the environmental crisis other countries do as well especially china where a ton of manufacturing happens and they don't really care about the environment that much so to go to china and try to spin it as you're there for you know environmental reasons is complete bogus for the most part because you know that China is not going to, you know, regulate environmental conditions. They're not going to go all in on saving the environment just because you, the governor of California, showed up for a week or so. You know, they're not going to change everything that they're doing just because you decided to show up. Meanwhile, if you instead spent that time in California you would be able to get far more done for the people that actually elect you. Um, And this is why I'm glad that, you know, governors are limited to two terms because, you know, we allowed him one term, you know, it wasn't the best, and then we allowed him the second term and things have just gotten worse, you know. Um, And I compare that to how Biden's seeking a second term right now. You know, things have not gone well under the Biden administration. Um, So I don't see why we should be immediately harping onto his side of things and getting him reelected. You know, um, I I feel like there are far better choices within the primary, which he fails to participate in. um, But also on top of that, within third parties and independent candidates that are far better than any than Joe Biden, than Donald Trump, than anybody running in the GOP primary as well. Um, Speaking of GOP primary, another thing I want to touch on real quick is that Mike Pence, dropped out of the primary. Um, Now, I expected it to happen, obviously. I just didn't expect it to be so quick. Um, So yeah, but, um, you know, he's out of there now. Um, So yeah. Um, But anyways, I also want to, you know, go back to, you know, the whole Newsom thing. And, you know, a lot of people mix Newsom up with what I'm going to do. And here's the thing. I have been incredibly critical of Governor Newsom for a long time and I do not plan to stop anytime soon. And yes, I'm running as a Democrat. I mean, first of all, that's the mainstream party out of the two mainstream parties, Democrat Party and Republican Party, that I most agree with. You know, do I think that the Democratic Party can tend to be way too relaxed on certain things, way too do-nothing on certain things? Absolutely. But the GOP is also guilty of it as well. Um, far more, you know, because they also try to reverse you know, positive changes, um, you know, but there are some progressive Democrats in the Democratic Party that are doing a pretty good job. Um, and I plan, I hope to join them at, on that list of progressive Democrats who have gotten the job done for their constituents, um, you know. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, Governor Newsom has absolutely destroyed the California economy. Um, and here's the thing. A lot of people might be thinking of voting Republican for governor in 2026 and even in the California midterms next or well in 2024 for stuff like, you know, Senate and whatnot and other elections happening in California in 2024. Um, you know, people might be looking into voting Republican. Um, and to them, I say, you know, we are not going to have Governor Newsom in the primary for Democrats, because he's ineligible to seek a third term. Um, now, are there Newsom 2.0s in the primary? Absolutely. The primary is absolutely flooded with wannabe Newsom 2.0s. Um, Lieutenant Governor Kunalakis is the number one wannabe Newsom 2.0. Um, honestly, I think voters should just completely steer clear of uh, Lieutenant Governor Kunalakis um, when choosing who the Democratic nominee should be for governor. Um, I also want to say Tony Thurmond. You know, I feel like he's also a newsome 2.0. He wants to be a newsome 2.0. Um, Betty Yee also wants to be a newsome 2.0. Jesse Perez, he really doesn't seem to want to be a newsome 2.0, um, but he's, he's too relaxed on certain things, and he hasn't necessarily talked about policy as much as I would like him to. And before that, I did see that he jumped to third place, um, taking over Betty Yee, and officially Betty Yee is in last place in the polls. Now, I'm not sure if that's changed today or not. I haven't checked the polls today, but I did see them. I believe it was yesterday, um, so I just want to congratulate Jesse on reaching third place. I think that's amazing that we're um, finally getting voters to recognize that it's not just Kunalakis Yee and Thurmond, you know, it's also me and Jesse, you know, and I think that's absolutely uh, monumental, and it, it's it's crucial um, because we're trying to kick these career politicians out of office. And you know, while we have different views on many things, I lean further left than Jesse leans. Um, you know, I like to consider myself further left, far left, in a way, whereas you know, Jesse seems to be more of a moderate left. Um, You know, and that's totally fine. Um, And we do disagree on quite a few things. But what we universally agree on is the fact that we need to get career politicians out of office. We need to make career politicians realize that they cannot buy their way to the top, that they cannot simply have millions of dollars in advertising compared to their opponent who has far much less. Um, We can't just let them continue to make poor decisions And abuse the system. You know, we just can't allow that to continue to happen. And voters are starting to realize this, you know. It's the reason why I believe I'm in first place currently. And by such a strong margin, by 35% compared to who is in second place, which is Lieutenant Governor Kunalakis. I'm 35% above Kunalakis, chilling in first, by a large margin. Um, And, you know, I I I see that as, you know... Californians are tired. They're sick and tired of the same people with just different faces and names you know, we're, we're tired of the same exact policies happening over and over again that have been proven to make our economy much worse, to make the state run much less efficiently and much worse. You know, instead, we need new ideas. We need new voices. We need things like CalCare. We need things like a UBI. We need many, many things and many, many reforms. And, you know, a lot of people might think I want to defund the police just because I'm a progressive Democrat. I don't want to defund the police. Do I think that they need to be, you know, watched a bit more? Do I think they need to be trained a bit better, more accurately? Do I think that we need to tackle the issue of police gangs and the issue of corruption on the force? Absolutely. And also misconduct. You know, I, I think we need to tackle all three of those things. Um, but we also need to have police because, you know, if we don't have police, we cannot enforce the law. We cannot keep our community safe. Um, And do I support that if a community overwhelmingly votes to have a community sort of system where they, you know, help, you know, local crimes, you know, nonviolent crimes, do I think that is a good idea? Absolutely. You know, I think there definitely should be, you know, dedicated nonviolent crime units, not just of police, but also of community members similar to that of, you know, like a neighborhood watch um you know just elevated just a little bit you know um i think those are all great ideas you know um but i still do think that there is a need for police um there is also a need for stricter gun control there is a need for background checks for safety checks there is a need for mental health testing there is a need for you know having to have a license to own a gun there there should be a, a spec a special type of license that you have to at- obtain and renew to own and operate a firearm you know um that's my personal belief because I think that you know the people who complain about you know these these types of plans where it's like oh yeah you need a permit or you need a license to own and operate a firearm or you know you need background checks you need mental health checks you know competency checks to make sure you know how to properly and safely uh use a firearm um You know, a lot of the people who think that is bogus um, are insane, in my opinion, because here's the thing. If you're so opposed to it, why are you so opposed to it? Because you being opposed to it makes you seem guilty um, of of not properly operating a firearm. You know, Um, it, it makes us clearly realize that you know, this is awkward. This is off. Why are you in such denial? Why are you so nervous when these types of conversations about, you know, gun control and, uh, you know, permitting and stuff like that? Why do you get so shaky and nervous? And I'm talking directly about the NRA and its members and supporters. Why do you get so nervous about this? If you have nothing to hide, why are you getting nervous about it? And that's, that's my thought process on a lot of things is if you're, if you're, you know, if you're totally innocent, then why are you opposing something that can prove that you're innocent and that you are uh, a safe person to have a firearm, you know? That makes no sort of sense to me because by, by you know, getting all shaky and nervous and, you know, defensive, you make yourself look more guilty, um, you know? So, yeah, but um, also, you know, I, I do realize that, you know, it's the Second Amendment right to own a firearm and the right to bear arms, and what I would like to say to the people of the NRA who strictly oppose a, um, any sort of, like, gun control or background checks or anything like that, um, you know, for, uh, assault weapon bans, you know, first of all, the people that argue about assault weapon bans, there is no part of the Second Amendment or any other amendment for that matter that specifically protects the legality of an assault weapon in particular, the only thing that the Second Amendment protects is the right to bear arms. That is the only thing the Second Amendment protects. It does not specify that, you know, a s- sorry about that. I have no idea what just happened there. It just cut out on me. But, um, you know, there is no part of the Second Amendment that specifically says, oh, you know, you can't have um, or well, there's no part of the Second Amendment that says you can specifically have you know, assault weapons and that, you know, assault weapon bans are unconstitutional. There's no part of the Second Amendment or any other amendment that specifies that. The only thing that is protected under the the Constitution is that you have the right to bear arms. It doesn't specify which type of arms. You know, I think that a a small, you know, low-power firearm, which should only realistically be used in self-defense instances— you know, I think that's fantastic. You know, that that's totally fine. You know, you have the right to defend yourself, but we also need to make sure that you're not mentally unstable and considering taking that gun into a large crowd of people and committing a, a, a tragedy. You know, we need to ensure that the people who have such dangerous weapons at their disposal are not going to use them in a negative manner. Um, we need to make sure that people who have firearms are safely owning and operating them and maintaining them to ensure the safety of themselves and others. You know, a lot of people forget the fact that you know part of the reason, more specifically, me part of my reason why I support you know making sure that people are constantly tested on this sort of stuff um, and having a license system is not to collect tax money. It's specifically to ensure that you are safely that you are properly aware of the safe and proper way to own, operate and maintain a firearm because realistically if you are unsafely owning, operating and maintaining a firearm that can lead to an accident even it doesn't just specifically cover, you know, mental stability, it also covers, you know, potential accidental Injuries, whether it be to yourself or to others. You know, accidental shootings are real. It is a real thing that happens. And we need to make sure that people who own guns are well versed and well trained as to how to properly maintain, own, and operate a firearm. We need to make sure that they are able to do that. We also need to make sure that they are not in the reach of children. We also, additionally, need to make sure. That people are, you know, not, well, we also need to make sure that, you know, people know how to prevent instances where an accidental injury can potentially occur. We need to train people to ensure that they are properly well-versed in how to properly and safely maintain, own, and operate a firearm. If they want access to firearms, we need to make sure that simply they are not going to use it to kill people that do not deserve it. And also, we need to make sure that they know how to properly do it and operate it. That is the only two things that I personally think. I think that, you know, if you really want to operate an AR-15 so badly, then why don't you go join the military? You know what I mean? Um, There's no reason why you should have an AR-15 in a Walmart. There's no reason why you should be carrying an AR-15 at a playground. You know what I'm saying? Um, there, there are very, very certain instances where, you know, there's no reason, um, for you to be carrying this around in, in the general public. Um, you know, when it's an AR-15 or a high, uh, very, very dangerous firearm, you know, um, do I think maybe a small, small firearm, you know, that I'm a bit iffy on, you know, because if, if the person is completely mentally stable, knows how to properly, own, operate, and maintain the firearm and does not pull it out unless absolutely necessary in the name of self-defense, then I think that person should be able to carry a small firearm around in public. But I will say that, you know, being able to properly screen this stuff out is incredibly difficult um, and that it, it will not be an easy task, but it is possible and it is achievable if we put in the effort and we put in the thought. Rather than listening to lobbyists from the NRA and corporate bribes and corporate elitists and the top 1% that all tend to support keeping these things on the streets, you know, um, instead of listening to all these people who, you know, we shouldn't even be trusting or believing in the first place. We should instead be looking at the moral standpoint on this, where it's like, yes, our constitution says you can protect yourself, but, you know— there are certain instances where, you know, you shouldn't have a firearm inside of a Walmart, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, And yeah, I just want to recap, you know, I plan to take immediate action. Um, I plan to lower costs all across the board. I want to make California an affordable place to live again, while also being morally correct. You know, we should be accepting everyone. You know, we will accept everyone... Um, We will embrace our differences and our similarities, but we will also make sure that this state is safe, affordable, and that it is a good place to live. That is the main goals. If you were to extremely simplify the things that I want to do, it is lower costs across the board, make the state safe, and keep the state as a good place to raise a family and to live we want to make sure that california stays beautiful we want to make sure that california stays safe we want to make sure that california stays livable and affordable because in the current state that it is in it is incredibly expensive overly expensive and ridiculously expensive to live in california um so yeah But anyways, that is all for today's episode. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in and I will see you guys next time. Bye.